Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. And welcome to Gays on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I'm Ned. And I'm Declan. And in this episode, we will be talking about Disney's latest live-action remake, The Little Mermaid. Remember, there will be spoilers once we get to the headline feature. So, as always, do proceed with caution. But before we get to that, King, I am dying to know what you've been watching. Before we get to what we're watching, what? One, I've got a cold, so if I sound the way I do, it's due to that. And I will say, having a cold in June is cruel, okay? Double whammy with the hay fever. Yeah, and before we also get to that, I just would like to congratulate you on your half marathon oh, run. Oh, thanks. And how much did you raise for Mermaid's gender? Uh, 575 Wow. Um, still time to donate, I'm hoping. Yeah, I think the link is live. Pe- Does the money just go straight to them off Indeed? Is that how Indeed works? Or do it's you have to like... Given. Just give it, but sorry. Yes, yeah. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I need to confirm it, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. And how was it? Um, it was really good, actually. I very much enjoyed it. I've never done an organised race before. And it was my longest run ever. Um, my knee is punishing me for it, but I think that's probably more to do with poor form than anything. Yeah, I've done the Middlesbrough tank a couple of times, and yeah. there is something different about having that atmosphere of everyone oh, cheering you on. And, yeah. yeah, and special shout out on the off chance that you're listening to the person that. <laughs> this was is going to be really niche, isn't it? Holding a pride flag at the top of. The only incline, actually, on the Edinburgh Half Marathon route. Which I was surprised of. With a cardboard sign that said, downhill that way. And because I was running with, like, a mermaid's top on and I saw the pride flag, I was like, this is the boost I needed. So I, like, sprinted the downhill and it felt great. Oh, good. I hope they're listening. Well, I had a very different weekend, which is probably how I've got called by mingling in big crowds. Mm. At Birmingham Pride. Just like the grown-up version of Fresh as Flu, isn't it? Yeah, probably. Although all the friends I went with are now at Mighty Hoop are absolutely fine, but here's me suffering nearly a week later. Well, you suffer for your craft. But yes, just wanted to... And we're back, so those occasions we've been a bit busy, so we haven't done an episode in a while. Honestly... When was what was the last episode? The last episode we did was Guardians. Guardians, That's which terrible. feels like ages ago. So we do apologise for neglecting you, listeners. Yeah, um, it just feels like time's flying so fast. Like you blink and another week's gone. Yeah, and it's Pride Month, so we want to be back for Pride Month. Definitely can't ignore lots Pride of Month episodes. So now on to what I've been watching. <laughs> it's been a week of season finales, succession. Not just season finale, the full thing ended. Spoilers. Warning now. If you've not watched it and you do watch it, 
It was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Like, Is that a spoiler? Who got it? Oh. Who was the successor? Right. Was perfect. Is that what it was all leading up to? Yeah. Right. So, so good. Okay. Um, cat, like, literally gets itself into one of the, like, officially gets itself into one of the top TV shows ever. Like, easily. With the finale as well. Officially, according to you. Yeah. Well, right. they, stuck the, they stuck the landing, so... Fair, fair yeah. play. Um, one thing that I felt didn't stick the landing was another finale, which is Ted Lasso. And this third season has been a bit of a mess. And I didn't mind it going in places it went. But... I th- and it all... They, they, they haven't really announced that that's it over, but it could be it over. There might be a spin-off of like some sort. Like the vibe of that episode. Like, it was very much like, final. it's done. Because Ted goes back to America. Yeah. So it's like, this is a really good place to end it. But it was just a bit of a mess of a final season. And it made me even question how much the first season was good. Oh. But I think because it came out during COVID and it was really lighthearted and funny. And it was half an hour episodes, the first season anyway. Mm. It was very, it was great. Exactly what you needed in yeah. a pandemic. Yeah. I also finished Star Wars Visions Season 2, which I've mentioned on the pod before. Um, great little 15, 20-minute episodes. I didn't pay attention to all of them, like, undivided, but some of them were really cool, and the animation style was amazing. So, not a lot of films for me. I've been busy. Um, you're going to talk about a couple of films that we've watched together. Um, so, so, I'll pass over to you for... I mean, you can... Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. You can take it. No, go want. for it. Go for it. Well, we went to see this one at um, the cinema with your mum, didn't we? We did. Um, as part of her 60th celebration kickoff. Happy birthday, Sharon. Yeah. That feels like ages ago now as well. Is only, what, two week? weeks? Two weeks? Yeah. Two weeks ago. Which, until yesterday, was the last time we went to the cinema, which neither of us could believe as no, well. No, I know. Yeah. How much we've been busy. Um, anyway, I There God It's Me, Margaret, based on a book that became really, really popular in the 70s among teenage girls and is a fantastic and heartwarming um, coming-of-age story about... Uh, does she move from New York City to New Jersey? Yeah, which isn't far, to be fair. But... Not all that far, but I imagine quite a culture shock to go from the city to the suburbs. Yeah. Um, and just really, really funny. I found it hilarious. I thought all the kids were really good as well. They were, which doesn't Always a danger yeah. when, you're, when you're casting for a, a film about a high school or a middle school or whatever age group they were. Um, not an annoying one among them, apart from like when the, the characters are supposed to be, to be annoying, annoying yeah. which is obviously the point. So yeah, really enjoyed that And one. mum really enjoyed it because she remembered doing that song about the bust. I must, I, I must, I must, must increase my bust. And mum was like, I used to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, and and it, it was like, it was very innocent as well. It's like it a PG, yeah. it's like a nice, yeah, it was you know, lovely. I feel like if you had a 9, 10, 11 year old daughter... Yeah. It would be a good film to kind of show them yeah. to kind of start having Everything the conversations was shot with like about... a nice little warm glow. Um, yeah. It touched on themes of like um, anti-Semitism, it did, yeah. um, atheism, and becoming yourself, I guess. Mm. Um, and sort of taking that through, really. And I really enjoyed it. Good. 
we got a bit emotional at the end, didn't we? Or you I and did. your mum did, anyway. Well, I did, because my mum turning 60 and it was just a nice film about a mother and a, a daughter, even though I'm not a daughter, but what's gender, anyway? What is gender, anyway? And it was just, I don't know, it's just a bit like, oh, yeah. you, wish, you think your parents are going to be there forever, and obviously... Basically, would recommend you watch it. It's Very uh, much so. one of those once it's on stream. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's not on cin- it's not on cinemas anymore. Um, um, but it will be, I'm sure, on yeah. streaming fairly soon. So keep an eye out for that one. Um, also, what have we watched? I've watched a few like films that I used to watch a lot because I had loads of ironing to catch up. <laughs> this is such a. a theme of like we should have a segment like separate to what we've been watching, watching, while been watching whilst dying in yeah. well this time listeners it was pirates of the caribbean one the best pirates of the caribbean because film. i've tried to do a full franchise rewatch a couple of times over and i don't think i've ever made it to the last two is the five the now there's five yeah i've definitely never seen the fifth one and I can't remember if so I've there's seen the pirate, there's, one. What's the first one called? Curse of the Black, Curse of the Black Pearl. Pearl. Dead Man's Chest. I did used to like that one. Is uh, At World's World End, End the next yeah. one? Then there is... There's like a there's Salazar's, one Salazar's Revenge, Salazar's Revenge. There somewhere. I think that's the fifth one. And there's another one. And I think this that was really called... This is really this bit. I think that was called Something Else in Another Country as well. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so I enjoyed On it. On Stranger Tides. That's the one, On Stranger Tides. Sal- Salazar's Revenge, which I think it was called here, it was called Dead Men Tell No Tales in America. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. Um, what else for watch? Oh, yeah, in anticipation of Indiana Jones 5 coming out, we're making our way through the old ones, so we've seen the Temple of Doom. Is that the second one? Yes. Yeah, I think I preferred the second one to the first. Did I? I always used to, when I used to watch them all a lot, I think I liked the second one the best. Rewatching them, I didn't realise quite how much I loved the first one. I think, for me, when I think about them as a kid, it's the one with Roger Moore in... Uh, not Sean Connery, sorry. Yeah. Got the wrong Bond. He's the um, third one. As the third one, so I'm looking yeah. forward to watching the third one. Well, we can put that on very soon, can't we? We can, yeah. Um, well, we need to. Not long till yeah. Indy 5. Oh, and I've watched another of the Disney live actions, Peter Pan and Wendy. So I got half an hour through it and I am going to watch it. Yeah, I've I I've got am. an hour left. All right. Yeah. I thought it was all right. Um, the Some of the acting, I d- it wasn't quite as successfully cast as something like Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. Like some of them were a bit irritating. Well, in the half an hour I watched, I thought Peter was annoying as anything. Yeah. 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 Yeah, very that. Um, I quite liked what they did with the story a bit, but in its sort of production, I think a lot of the special effects and CGI felt really, like, random and out of place. And I don't know, it wasn't wasn't quite a hit for me. Yeah, it hasn't done um, well with audiences. I think a lot of people have said it's not very good. Yeah. My grandma said, she, oh, I she, much prefer the animated version, did, which she? is going to be a theme of this episode, I can tell you that. <laughs> Um, Not to jump the gun, I'm no. um, So what's been in the news? Oh, just quickly, we did uh, watch what? Across the Spider-Verse, but we are 100% doing an episode on it because, spoiler, it's fucking amazing. So keep your okay, just, uh, ears peeled. Let me just remember to click explicit episode on this one. We always swear. 
So what's in the news? It, what you know, actually, Hollywood's a bit slow at the minute, and it has been for a while. But why something... is that the case when it's just coming up to blockbuster season? Well, Hollywood because all the blockbusters are coming out, so the news They're is all too like distracted to be like no, like we've got the full release schedule. So for ages, we had updates about what was coming. We had trailers. Right. We had all sorts. Whereas now it's like go see the film's time rather right. than movie news time. And I was like obviously, the gossipy bits of movies. A lot of stuff is on pause due to the writer's strike, so... Yeah? Any progress on that? No. No. And it looks like the producers, the directors and the actors will be joining very soon as well. Cool. So Hollywood will be shutting down. Apparently well, when this happened rule... last time, there was a proliferation of reality TV. Oh God, not more of that. <laughs> It's already so, proliferated enough. Yeah. Um, as a general rule, but I then, take a personal stance of solidarity with strikers. So do I. And I, and I won't say, I mean, I discussed it a little bit on the yeah. previous episode. I don't understand it fully and it doesn't affect British TV dramas no. or films. But obviously a lot of what we see comes from the yeah. US. Yeah. Um, but what was in the news, which I thought was quite funny, is Tom Cruise is kicking off. What's he kicking off about now? So... I think he's. I think this is warranted, though. Okay. okay. So he's miffed that, allegedly miffed, <laughs> that Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, mm-hmm. which comes out on the fourteenth of July, will only have the premium IMAX screens for one week, because a week later, the IMAX screens will be going to both Oppenheimer and Barbie. Oh. So you've got three films that are, maybe not Barbie, but definitely Oppenheimer and Mission Impossible that have been designed to see on the biggest, largest screen possible, yeah. right? Yeah. And he's saying it's not fair that Mission Impossible has only got those screens for a week. And well, I would, I would, yeah, I would say I agree, but yeah. then I would go, well, August is dead. Move, new movies wise yeah. so I don't understand why Paramount didn't go oh well let's release it in August when it's a bit quieter Literally, it's like June exactly June is really say. bad as well so people say that in March this year what was really kind of like Dungeons and Dragons was a pretty decent film yeah. didn't make a lot of money because in March we had John Wick 4 yeah. Dungeons and Dragons yeah. help me I don't know I can't remember there was like Dungeons and Dragons, John Wick 4. Let me see what, there was another what episodes one. did we have at that time. Um, wow, this is great for the podcast, isn't it? Scream. I'm going to sneeze. Um, the Super Mario Bros. Like, all of that was around that time, and it just made it very... Difficult. Difficult, and June's the same. the market, doesn't Like, it? June's horrendous. I think that's why Pixar have moved Elemental in the UK to July, because ah. we've got Transformers, The Flash... Asteroid City, Indiana Jones, a new Jennifer Lawrence comedy. Spider Man's just again? come out. I keep forgetting. No hard feelings. It just won't stick in my mind. Um, and it's just there's a lot. So yeah, yeah he's only got the premium screens for a week, and I do think. Well, it's not like, great. while I understand that that can be frustrating, it's not like an alternative plan couldn't have been made. Like, why are you whinging about it now after the release date has been set? Yeah. So the same in November. It feels I think like I a made up problem. June part like two. I've got one week as well, which like June is designed for an IMAX screen. Yeah. June comes out 
on the 3rd of November, on the 10th, the Marvels will knock it straight off the IMAX screens. But I'm sure... Well, there's two things that they can do to solve this. IMAX films can coordinate a bit better and spread themselves across the year, because it's not like people aren't going to go and see it. Yeah. And whoever runs IMAX as a thing can get more IMAX screens installed around. Well, that's what I thought. And someone, I saw a tweet and someone was like, IMAX or premium should almost be default now because that's the thing that gets you out from behind, from the sofa these days because some cinema screens can be quite small and you think, I may as well be watching this at home, but you can't do the Like not to out you, but Harrogate Odeon. Like IMAX, you can't replicate. So I think they should... um, Exhibitors should try to get more and more premium screens into their theatres for sure. So that was it, really. Not much going on, but Tom Cruise is miffed. So what a time we've had. And now it's time to cast our minds into the future and get excited about what's coming up in the world of film. It's time now for Trailer Trash or Treasure. And what have we got this time? Uh, this time is a trailer, Martin Scorsese's new film, um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, as always, listeners, the link for this is in the show notes. So if you would like to pause your podcast player now and watch along with us, do it. And if you would not like to do that, Don't. yeah, we'll see you after the sparkles. Bye. <laughs> you sound like pissed off at the listeners. The following couple of minutes, unfortunately, Declan's microphone dropped out, so... Are you speaking in third person? I don't know. Me, my microphone dropped out, so whilst we're giving it a trailer or treasure... No, a treasure or trash rating, listen extra carefully. But now um, I'll go to After the Sparkles and, yeah, listen carefully. Okay. Colours of the Flower Moon, is it called? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Book, so oh, is it? Said it's Scorsese's next film. The premise is that members of the Asagi tribe... I North, think he said Osage. Osage. Hmm. Tribe in northeastern Oklahoma are murdered under mysterious circumstances oh. in the 1920s. It looks like it's going to confront some quite nasty truths about um racism against indigenous folk so i think it'll be quite a compelling one to watch when it comes out it's it's had its premiere at Cannes, and one of the reviews that come out of it was killers of the flower moon is a sobering appraisal of america's relationship with indigenous people and yet that artistic zenith for martin scorsese and his collaborators well 97% I look forward to it. What I thought was really interesting, it was quite a. The trailer's quite. spooky. Mm. It's like. A, l- a little bit kind say, of. Can you spot the animal in this picture? The wolves. The wolves in this picture. And obviously, it's clearly framing that the wolves is, is the American. The, the white people. The white people. Because mm. their greed is what has led to yeah. the treatment of. The indigenous indigenous American. Yeah. What what's the term we call them now? What? 
Because American Indians... Is American Indians not the right no, thing? No, that's what they used to call them in the cowboy days. So it's Native Americans. Native Americans. Right. Okay. But yeah. no, I mean, I actually remember doing a lot about that. Well, yeah. in history, one of our modules was like... It was the Gold Rush, the American Railroad, and then obviously a lot of the... Mm. Interesting that the American Railroad is such a, like historical thing and rail travel in america these days is shit i think food for thought capitalism really dug its claws into america though Mm. so now they want to fly everywhere because they want to be everywhere as quick as possible yeah money and hustling so i think that's probably what happened to yeah america but definitely that's uh, the real cost of the hustle yeah a treasure from me for sure um and i love that this was originally um what do I need? Like the money. Not sponsored by Apple TV. Funded? Funded, that's the word I couldn't find. Funded by Apple TV Plus, but they've now also confirmed that it will go into cinemas and Paramount Pictures will distribute it. So oh, nice. I'm very happy that... I feel like it reflects the new the new world of people who want to see it in the cinema can see it in the cinema so mm. people can wait and watch it, for, uh, watch it on Apple TV. Yeah. I will say... It's runtime <laughs> is particularly epic. Go on. Two hundred and six minutes. Three hours and twenty six minutes. Yeah. Ooh. So dehydrate yourselves, everyone, before you go see this. I will not let a drop of water pass my lips the day we go to the cinema for this one. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's treasure. Treasure and treasure. And now it's time for this week's headline feature, The Little Mermaid, coming up right after this quick break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Okay, now. The Little Mermaid, then. I think, you know, we always struggle where to start. Right, I, I'm just going to do an Alexandra Burke and 
address the elephant in the room. There isn't an elephant. <laughs> there is an elephant in the room. This is the second time we're recording this part of the podcast because the first time we did it failed. So if this feels particularly particularly rehearsed and or forced and forced, <laughs> and if the points just roll off our tongue, it's because we've done it all before. I don't think the points are going to roll off my tongue. My notes are rather sparse. But let's start right at the beginning, right? With a plot synopsis? Yes, with a plot synopsis, yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. I've written this one. Of all the Sea King's mermaid daughters, the youngest, Ariel, is the most mischievous. Her insatiable curiosity about humans leads her to make a dodgy deal with Ursula the Sea Witch, who trades Ariel's siren song for three days of life on land and the chance to win the heart of the sexy Prince Eric. Without her voice, can Ariel seduce him? She risks everything to find out. I like it. Thank you. What does it remind me of? Um, what that plot? The little voice that like, I thought. Thing. The plot synopsis. What does it remind me of? Mm. Uh, the little mermaid, <laughs> maybe. Um, um, anyway, so good plot synopsis. Where Thank I think you. we should start is our kind of affinity towards the original. Go. Uh, well, those of you who have known me all my life, or maybe even those of you who haven't may know that The Little Mermaid was actually the first film I ever saw at the cinema, according to my mum, which I'm not quite sure adds up, because it definitely came out before... When did it come out, actually? 89. Yeah, it came out before I was born, so kind of... They must have re-released it, or done, like, a kid's showing or something. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was at the Odeon in Harrogate. That cinema that needs a major... Mm. When it was the only cinema available, it was good. But there's an everyman there now. What about me? What would you like to ask me? Uh, what's, what? what, what uh... <laughs> Have you forgot the question? What do you like about The Little Mermaid? What's Not the question? Like, our affinity to the original. What's your affini- affinity? Is that okay. what you would say? I don't know if that's the right word. Maybe that's what threw me. Anyway, what does it mean to you? Nothing really. Well, no, it does. It's it's a bit of a blind spot for me for Disney because mm. it wasn't one of my like go tos. It wasn't a Lion King, a Jungle Book, a Hercules for me. Did you have like every Disney thing on video? I had most of them, but I don't remember having the Little Mermaid actually. So I thought that I had all of them when I was little because what the collection that we had felt like so many. Then I grew up and realised that there were tons that I've never seen or heard of. Maybe my dad might have thought it was a bit too girly, so I wasn't allowed it. Yeah, growing up in the 90s. Yeah, Little Mermaid, he's not having that. Who knows? Yeah. So I just minced around to Hercules instead. Um, so moving on to the film. We don't want to turn him gay, we'll <laughs> show him this sexy hunk. <laughs> um. How would you describe your first initial feelings about this remake then? Like pre-watching it or watching having it, just finished? Having just finished. Uh, I didn't have a horrible time watching it. But I mean, it didn't blow my mind or make me feel all that much either. 
I wonder <laughs> if when people say these films feel a bit pointless as live action remakes, the people that always seem to say are the ones that don't have much to do with the original, like it wasn't one of the favourites. So like even The Lion King for me, even though it was literally a frame for frame remake, I still quite enjoyed it because I loved The Lion King and I just liked seeing The Lion King, mm-hmm. even though it's probably a two-star, generously three-star film. Whereas because The Little Mermaid isn't that one of my Disney favourites, I really thought, thought this was properly pointless. I don't know if I really can get on board with... You don't like calling a film pointless, do you? No, I don't, and I stop myself mid-sentence because I'm sure there's films I've called pointless. <laughs> Probably recorded right on this podcast. I don't think we've done any films I would consider pointless because I think I'd probably veto them. Wow. Well, like when you vetoed Magic Mike. I didn't veto it. I just couldn't be asked watching it. There's a pointless film. Yeah, I don't agree, but <laughs> go figure. And, like, everyone keeps saying how this was really modernised, and I don't really see much of a modernisation to it. Like, who's saying it, and what are they saying The internet, it? everyone's like, oh, you know, at least with this remake, they, they, they did it for a reason, and they modernised it. And it's like, other than Ariel seeming to walk, having a bit of her own autonomy and being able to explore a market and wants to read a few maps i didn't really like, see she exactly, still had to lose a voice to be with a, same, a man yeah it's the same as it was in the original anyway and i know apparently some of the song lyrics changed to kiss in the girl kiss the girl um, yeah I to not be how... as quite forced like kiss her kiss her kiss her yeah. kind of thing yeah it did feel a lot more like get a vibe, read the room, see if she wants it, how she responding to you, go for it. But did you like you know the original quite well? Do you think oh this is a real modern modern day take on the Little Mermaid? Not not particularly in terms of a story, but I could definitely see that effort was made to bring it more up to date in terms of. Um, like the casting and the choral scenes and like choral, you know, like where there's lots of people singing and dancing. Oh, you meant choral, and you were saying it wrong. Oh, I know, like no. the scenes with the choral. No, <laughs> like where there's a chorus of people singing and dancing. Um, yeah, that felt there was a lot. That, that was well, for one, it was included. So it kind of gave it a bit more of a setting than was ever apparent in the original from memory. Um, well, the original was clearly set in the Caribbean, but then it had white people as... I don't know. Was it clearly set in the Caribbean? I thought it was well, just generic Sebastian had generic a Caribbean accent. Yeah, I know. But I don't think it was a Caribbean actor playing Sebastian in the original. Probably not. Although I will say this, right... So it, it's meant to be tropical. It's meant to be the Caribbean. And it was. It didn't filmed. feel like it. Where did you say it was filmed? Sardinia. Yeah. And you could tell. I was like, "That's the Mediterranean. <laughs> that is not where it's meant to be." And the thing about that as well is, there's not really any point for setting it in the Caribbean and filming it in Europe. Like, if you're going to film it in Europe, why not set it in Europe? And if you're going to set it in Caribbean, why not film it in the Caribbean? Well. 
might have been pandemic related potentially. Let's just film when where was it, it filmed. Twenty twenty one. So there might have been travel restrictions, but I thought films could still travel because it was work related. They just had to have really strict protocols. Anyway, it took ages to come out, and I think it's due to all of the pretty much every scene was totally CGI. But they should have probably spent a bit longer on the CGI. No, I was going to say, if you're going to make us that wait that long, at least like dot the i's and cross the t's as far as the CGI goes. And I think coming off the back of something like Avatar The Way of Water, and I'm not expecting this to be like that because James Cameron has literally poured the rest of his career into it and developing technology. But I think what they call it is this was filmed in what they call dry for wet. So it's filmed dry mostly and then they make them look like they're underwater. That just feels... Whereas Avatar, they were actually in water. I don't understand why you wouldn't at least film... Like key bits in the water. It's not like water. Well, I think there was scenes, some by. scenes in the water, but I don't know. Like all the behind the scenes stuff I've seen, like that one where she sat on the yeah. shoulders of the blue men who were really turtles. Oh, fair enough. All of the choreography yeah. would probably be difficult underwater. But there are like conversations. Well, and the thing is, I quite a lot of films do dry for wet. So I think a lot of the films in, in a lot of the scenes in Wakanda Forever were the same. But well, why did they look so much better than this? God knows. Mm, curious. Even um, the lighting and the 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 com the is it the com compositing where they like try to make the CGI bl- background bl- blending with the yeah it was just a really really stylist a bad what I would deem a bad stylistic choice when we've literally just had a film that was underwater and looked amazing and this looked not I mean, that great. even even without comparing it to that, because I do think when you get something as incredible as Avatar was, kind of spoils you for the future. Yeah. But even without comparing it to that, the CGI looked like it was fresh out of the 2000s in parts. Yeah. And I just, like... And especially quite early on as well, it kind of well. There's that scene pulled you out of like, it before you were even in it. Kind of well, drifts through. Are... Oh, there's that, and then it can't. Yeah, and then it kind of drifts through the the reef, and I thought, mm. oh my god, this looks a bit crap. Mm. Um, and yeah, and I, Where and I thought I did. Oh, go on. Enjoy a bit of the kind of janky CGI was under the sea. The song. As in the song. I was going to say, a lot of this film is under the sea. The song under the sea. I did. I liked the way that they choreographed all of the sea creatures. um, Because it was very, like, throwback to Fantasia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's scenes where there's, like, flowers and petals and mushrooms and, like, woodland foliage and stuff all dancing to the orchestra. And... I think the choreogra- choreography was like step for step, some of that. And I quite enjoy a bit of a Disney throwback. Yeah. Self-referential. Uh, and that was One nice of my favourite bits in the Lion King remake actually was when instead of going, doing the hula song like they did in the, um, the, animation, the animated version where Pumbaa and Timon are trying to distract the hyenas, mm-hmm. Timon stands up and goes... Monsieur Mademoiselle and starts um, like be our guest. 
Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, and I quite enjoyed that little mm. Disney self-reference. But talking about the musical numbers, I thought some of them were weird, but the pacing of this film is really strange. And I've never, I've never felt anything quite like it in the sense that it played... And I know it is a musical, but the film plays like a musical. Like, it feels like there's distinct scenes and set pieces where, right, this is... It plays like a stage show. Yeah, yeah. this is the under-the-sea scene. So we're going to have a we'll have a bit of dialogue first. Yeah. And then the music will kick in. And then we'll do the song. And then we'll cut to the next... It was literally like when I was in Little Shop of Horrors at school, when you yeah. read it and go, right... Well, that bit of dialogue is for suddenly seeing more yeah. done. But I can't fathom that this is Rob Marshall directing it because he did Chicago, which to me is one of the greatest like film adap- adaptations yeah. of a, mu- a stage musical. And it's seamless. Like I think it's very clear with Chicago. I think watching Chicago, it does play like a stage show, though. Yeah, but it doesn't feel as jarring. Mm. Like, the well, way that's it's... Because it's very stylised. Yeah, exactly. I don't like think the you've way really it's got directed. the opportunity for it to be that stylised in this. Yeah, but maybe they shouldn't yeah. do it then. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, don't make it... Clearly, this kind of story, when you're underwater and you've got talking fish, crabs and seabirds, clearly that's probably better to be done in an animated form. Yeah. Like, I don't know, look at Elemental that's coming out this year, the Pixar film, mm. how good that looks animation-wise. Sometimes, and you think, oh, in 20 years, 30 years' time, are they going to do live-action remakes of these? And you look at it and you go, well, no, because it's Why clearly made for animation. Yeah. Same with, like, how they've announced Moana straight away. Like, like not even 10 years after the the animated version are they going to do an Encanto live action remake next like I don't I'm the thing is I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I keep seeing stuff about Hercules live action coming and I'm like absolutely sign me up but that is like 20 odd years old well so is Little Mermaid yeah but it's not Moana no but I'm trying to say like clearly some of the creative flourishes that you can do in animation don't translate well to mm. live action. I feel like Hercules is probably better suited to live action than Little Mermaid. So do I. Yeah. If they get the muses right. Yeah. Because if they don't... Who would you cast as the muses? Beyonce. Lizzo. Lizzo. Cynthia Revo. Mm. Uh, How many are there? There's five. Janelle Monet. Yeah. And Kiki Palmer. Oh, that would be such a them. good setup. Disney, if you'd like me as a casting director. Mm, listen up, listen yeah. up. You heard it here first. I think Hercules is the one that could be a bit challenging. And you know who I would cast? Who I know can sing. You know him. Not personally, but you know him as an actor. Is he Welsh? Uh, I don't know. He's British. Uh, is he gay? Maybe. I'm asking you questions because I can't think of his name, but I know who it is. Cameron Edgerton. Oh, that's not who I know. <laughs> did you? You didn't think it was Luke Evans, did you? That's oh, my God, I wouldn't cast him as Hercules. God, Hercules. no. Why would you cast Taron Edgerton? Because he can sing. Mm. He's really muscly after Blackbird. 
Oh, is he? So almost like. Right, fair enough. Um, and I just think he'd be quite good if he had a bit of a spray tan. Why does he need a spray tan? Well, it's Hercules. He needs to look like... Greek. Greek and godlike. Mm, anyway, back to yes. the Little Mermaid. Yes. Um. So, did you? Is Scuttle in the original? Yeah, a seagull though, not a. Uh, Cormorant. No, no. Other word. Other one. Starts with an S. What's? It? It's not a shag. Why has it gone from a name? You said it the other did day. I? Said it the other day when we recorded the birds part one. Hang on, hang on, hang on. And eat the food. A gannet. Gannet. Say that all the time because you're a gannet. Doesn't start with an starts S. Starts with an S. Silent. Yeah. S. A gannet. gannet. Um, yeah. Uh, yes. But I found Scuttle them a bit. Is. The one I liked the most was Sebastian, and I think because a crab, even in a, <laughs> even a real world crab, looks quite funny and animated anyway. Mm. Whereas a seabird and a fish. That fish was... I liked Jacob Tremblay's voice as Flounder. Yeah, Flounder did not translate too well from animated to CGI. No. And I thought Scuttle was a bit weird. I don't know. And I know seabirds dive. But But, I don't think they stay down for it. I was like, oh, this bird can talk underwater Um, and it can breathe underwater. I... I, yeah, I didn't hate Scuttle's presence as a character, and I quite enjoy Aquafina. See, I, you know, we've spoke about Aquafina quite a few times yeah. in different films, and I really like Aquafina. I find her really funny, even though I think she's beginning pretty... to be a bit of a one trick pony. No, like, I do think she's typecast, but then I've seen her in that indie film. Oh, God, I forget its name all the time. Which was amazing. I wish she'd start like using some of this blockbuster money and just saying, "I'm going to do one for and doing better one characters. for the purse, one for me." That yeah. kind of vibe. Mm. But I did find her a little bit grating in this, and the song, the new song that they have. <sighs> My jaw was on the floor, and not for a good. Tell me, Lin Manuel Miranda had his fingers in this. Film without just, telling me, like, man, no, Miranda had his fingers like, oh in my film. god, he did Hamilton. Let's get him in. He'll he'll do re- like he'll sell tickets because we can put Linny Manuel Miranda on on our. I'm like, no, fine, but don't try and force rap into everything. It works now, sometimes. It worked for Encanto. It worked for obviously Hamilton. What else did he do in the Heights? Well, obviously that worked. Mm. I have been having to think about this one and I don't hate the idea as much as I did while I was watching it, but I don't think it was pulled off very well. I think that it there were far too many words <laughs> in not enough time for Aquafina to get her teeth around it, so you couldn't understand a single one of them. Have you seen Hamilton? No. Interesting. I know a couple of the songs, though. It's a bit... Some of the songs are a bit like yeah. that as well, actually. So you have to be on it with the words and really be able to enunciate so and that it can land lip with read. the audience. And you have to be able to lip-read. You can't lip-read a gannet, can you? can't gannet. <laughs> but the thing is, is scuttlebutt even a real word? 
Probably not. Well, exactly. Not only is there too many words for Aquafina to get her teeth round and not enough time for you to hear it, <laughs> and you can't lip read, but it's not even real words. So audience has no hope of understanding a single thing of what's going on in that song. Unless I imagine you are a child who watches this film a few times round and starts to learn the words. I don't think you'll hear any child singing the skull ball. No, I don't either. Like Which if is I a think shame. about a similar kind of Lin Manuel Miranda song, "Welcome to the Family Madrigal," mm. like kids sing that. You've in mentioning it, you've put it exactly. In days. So like, I don't imagine kids going the skirtle but that's probably the only bit of it they'll say because yeah. that's all I can and it's remember. It's funny because it says but. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think of the other new song that our Prince Eric, jo- Jonah Howard King? Sang. So let me set the scene for our listeners just in case they're listening without having watched this. Which is silly. Imagine, what's his name? Jonah. Is that his name? I don't know. Imagine Jonah Prince Howell Eric. King. Yeah. yeah. Imagine Prince Eric um, is in his, I'm trying not to be insulting now, I want to say 50s or 60s. 50s, 60s. How old was Meryl Street when Mamma Mia came out? Let's go 60s. Oh, okay. 60s. <laughs> I want to say I don't 50s. know where you're going with this point. Imagine Prince Eric is 50s, blonde, and has raised a daughter on his own on a in a Greek hotel and then starts singing The Winner Takes It All and you've got exactly this scene. Yeah, I get what you mean. It was a bit Piers Brosnan in, in Mamma Mia kind no, of vibes. it was Meryl Streep in Mamma Mia. Oh, but I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was where, actually, when you mentioned it landing like a stage show, when that song was on, I, I was know like, it just this, started, I didn't it? There was stage. no really like, there was no like. It almost came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a bit like Beyonce's song "Spirit" came out of nowhere in The Lion King, like it's like how they forced new songs in. Mm. Um, I did think Prince Eric's performance was okay. Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I think I would have. I wouldn't, there was rumours that it was going to be Harry Styles and I'm glad it wasn't because I think the focus should very much be on Halle Bailey and her kind of... Definitely. ...film debut. But I would just yeah. want to, before we get to other like key performances, like just talking about, you know, the famous songs that we all know, Part of Your World, Under the Sea, Poor Infortunate Souls, Kiss the Girl. Mm. They were all fine, but these live action remakes, it's like the take a bit of the spirit out of the songs. It's like they dull them all down a bit, and I don't know why. Um, Even, like... I think I agree on... Um, the I Want to Be Where the People Are. That Part one of your felt, world. That's the one, thank you. That one felt a bit lacklustre. That one, though, going back to being stagey, felt particularly stagey, because it kept, How like... How many reprises? <laughs> yeah, it kept, like, starting the talk a bit. They'd cut away and she'd start singing it again. And I was like, this literally feels like I am sat in a theatre. Yeah. Yeah. Under the Sea, again, yeah, agree. Bit lacklustre. More because the CGI sea creatures were too distracting from the actual point of the song. Okay. I think. Then I actually enjoyed Poor Unfortunate I didn't mind that. I actually thought out of all of the original songs, that was done quite well. And Kissed a Girl, because 
like obviously they've changed the lyrics ever so slightly. They've had to re jig that scene a bit to make it like the choreography of the scene. Yeah, a yeah. bit just better. I actually liked it as well and I thought it was really funny, although I don't think you enjoyed it so much that Scott or Sebastian and Flounder were on the oar of the boat. So stupid. I just found it really funny. I liked how they used the lights in the trees like they did in the animated one. Yeah. I did like that. Yeah. And, but I think, yeah, out of most of the original songs, I do think Poor Unfortunate Souls was probably the most kind of in line and made me think, oh, this sounds a bit like the original. Yeah. I, I did, did really think... like Part of Your World because I thought Halle Bailey's voice was just totally carried that, that song and the performance. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I really did find Under the Sea... Yeah. Underwhelming. Yeah. It's like um, they just took all the... Oh, which song is it part of your world? I don't know. At the end of the song, she climbs up onto that rock and the wave crashes behind part her. Part of your world, yeah. It Reprise is, it? number six, probably. Who knows? Um, and then, like, that is the classic Little Mermaid frame, isn't it? Yeah. It's like what you see when you think of the little mermaid and it kind of came and went and if you blinked you'd missed it like the wave did not really crash behind her there was a bit of a splash and then it was gone and there wasn't really like atmosphere to carry the moment and that felt like a waste oh, I of quite liked how the music me. built at that bit though yeah I I can't quite remember exactly how it went but I remember after it went I was like oh was that it yeah and I felt a bit let down by that moment. That's what I mean. It's like the dull, all the musical but there numbers are a lot, down. I think there are lots of moments like that throughout the whole thing. And I can't quite work out if it's the, the fault of the writing, the fault of the acting, the fault of the direction, a combination of it all. Something just wasn't quite hitting the mark, generally. I would say probably I if I was going to work on one thing in this film, I'd probably work on the writing. Yeah. Because I just think that pacing issue for me some of the, totally and, yeah. took me out of it And all some of the time. individual lines as yeah. well that like they gave characters it was really just quite a bit poor. like, it's, a bit, it's quite an unnatural thing for anyone to say, really. Yeah. Um, mm, yes. so, but I do think Halle Bailey's performance was amazing and I'm so happy yeah. I'm proud to see her do as well as she's she's done from this role. Yeah. Um, I do hope that she's got a great acting career ahead of her. Obviously, she is a pop star I as feel well, like so she's I don't know if she'll be really like a... really good point in her career. Will she be like an Ariana Grande that just kind of dibs in now and again and does a bit of acting or, or a Gaga who seems to be pivoting a bit more and more towards now, acting? Like, who knows? I'm no Ariana hater, but I don't think she's a very good actor. In what I've seen her in. What's she been in? Uh, she was briefly in that one they did on Christmas Eve about the asteroid landing on hitting her. What was that called? Don't look up. Oh, she was in that. That was she shit. played herself though, basically, didn't she? And she couldn't even do that very well. Well, she's got. What else was she? In? We've, she's coming up in two parts of Wicked Part One and Two, so she best oh, be good I hope in that. She's better in that, actually. Yeah, maybe she will be because she can like. Same. Yeah. Yeah. 
So are we going to talk about Ursula's makeup? Well, I was going to move on to Melissa McCarthy's performance. Who the only note I really have is she seemed to be having quite a bit of fun. Yeah, really enjoyed Melissa McCarthy. As yeah, she was Ursula, quite. Actually. She was quite good. Yeah. 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 Up there with the stronger casting choices in this. Yeah, film. she was having fun. Um, but yeah, you wanted to comment on the makeup, and then well, you commented it. on the makeup, and I was like, "Oh, have you seen all that stuff online?" You were was, like, "No, I haven't." I was about to bring that up organically, but <laughs> that's what I have brought it up organically. You said I commented on it. You anyways. did. Anyways, I watched it and I noticed it, and I thought, "Hmm," and then I saw it online, and I was like, "Ah, so I wasn't the only gay to notice that Ursula in the original was." largely based on like physically based on divine drag queen um with very distinctive makeup yeah and ursula in this one was a kind of was a bit basic wasn't it oh very basic although i wouldn't say divine's makeup we would say is good no 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 i mean but it was over the top drag makeup has come on leaps and bounds since divine's time yeah but this wasn't even a good imitation of divine makeup. Like the eyebrows were wonky in just about every frame. Yeah. For one, which was irritating me actually, because Ursula's supposed to be fierce, not distracting. Yeah. Um, and it just, it felt like the artist who, you know, whatever, do your job, but like, do it well. Come on, use some references, practice a bit. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm not a makeup artist, so I'm not going to tell someone how to do the job, but, I mean, do your job better. You know what I mean? Not exactly what you mean. Mm. Um, That's all my notes done. Well, I just want to... Oh, I don't think this final note is worth adding, but since I've mentioned that it exists, I best do. <laughs> what is it? Just that one about... Um, I'm noticing more and more in films that little hints at the impact humans are having on the natural world are dropping into scripts and themes and storylines. And being in the line of work that I'm in, I quite enjoy to see it. Um, So it was a nice little nod to our younger generations that damaging coral takes thousands of years to recover. I understand why it was there. You didn't like it there. I thought it was very, like, forced and... I mean, yeah, but of all of the lines in this film... Quite heavy-handed. It was just another forced heavy-handed line. I don't think it felt really out of place. Those sailors have dropped fish netting on this coral. I don't know why you're saying it like this. It will take thousands of years to... I was like, oh, right, okay. I don't know why you're saying it like this. That's what it was like. It wasn't that bad. It was? It wasn't. You just liked it because it was all warm and fuzzy, climate changing, environmental, sustainability stuff. Let me stuff. like things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah. Mm. So after all that debating, mm. star rating. Oh, I didn't know it. Uh, have you got what I gave it? I can't remember what I gave it. So Ned gave it three, and I gave it two and a half. Okay. And if you caught me watching this in a worse mood than... Like, I wasn't in a bad mood. But if you caught me watching it in a bad mood, it could have been two, if not one and a half. Wow. I really just didn't like it at all. I didn't think it was all that good, but I had a fine time watching it. So. Okay. 
Make of that what you will, listeners. Let's talk gay shit then. I'm just gonna pop and get the gaydar, cause yet again... You need to start leaving that close to you when we record. Stop leaving it on charge. I'm joining in with the joke. Do you like it? Finally. It's about time you got on board with this. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got the gaydar. Just playing with the bells and whistles. Let's see. Where does it come? It's not actually all that gay, this, for a film about mermaids. Yeah, I know. Um, With drag inspiration in there. Yeah. Still didn't really land on... I mean, it's not really meant to. No, it's not created for or by the gays, is it? Uh, Are a lot of gays like The Little Mermaid? I mean, there's a lot of Disney adults are gays, aren't they? Disney adults are gays. Yeah, you know, like Disney kids that have now grown up and they're Disney Oh, adults. Disney gays. Yeah. The scariest of gays. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, guys, if you're listening. Um, we do love you and you are a valued part of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were we comparing it to? What was the last film that we gave a gay rating to? Uh, On our leaderboard. Well, it's come up, it's a bit below Guardians. Yeah, I would probably agree. Which puts it above John Wick 4. <laughs> so. I would agree with that, but yeah. who knew I would be comparing <clears throat> the Little Mermaid's queerness to John Wick 4, but let, let, let's This will pad out it. a bit and make a bit more sense once we've got a few more films in there. It's still early days for the Gaydar ranking. Yeah. And that's all for this time. If you have enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please don't forget to... I have... have What are you doing? I haven't (laughs) even got the script open. Please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcasting platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Gaze on Films Pod and check out our letterboxed accounts, links of which are in the show notes. You know, we'd love to hear your thought. Well, actually, don't. If you try to defend it in the DMs, bar off. Um, I have been Ned. No, I have been. <laughs> now you're reading. I have been Declan. And I have been Ned. And this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye. Bye. Are you joining in? deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.